2: Hey, this is Samantha and this is Annie, and welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. <gasps> Annie, yes, you know what time it is? Three thirty-three
1: p.m. No, it's time for another feminist movie Friday. Rumpa bomp, and it's Mulan edition. It is Mulan edition. Which is one of my favorite Disney movies, especially when we talk about animated, like the classic cartoons. Yes. I love it. Um, Semi appropriate because it's Lunar New Year right now. And <laughs> as um, I actually, when I was in China, I was staying in Wuhan, China, which is now the center of a lot of Ooh. concern about the coronavirus. Um, but I remember when I was there and I got to experience Lunar New Year and it was just this amazing, amazing thing. Um uh, and we've wanted to talk about this movie for a while because it does have a lot of layers to it. So many. When it comes to gender performance and just gender stereotypes and general speaking of I'll make a man out of you one of the songs from that movie is a very popular song. Oh yes. at our karaoke nights usually paired with Shania Twain's Man I Feel Like a Woman we like to do a double feature of those two songs okay I've never realized that it came
2: as a double feature oh but yeah but I definitely know when that song from Mulan that Move song on
1: slays
2: comes up it brings down the most house. of our male counterparts will stand
1: up in Everyone, unison to start singing yes. the song there's this ge- like a fist gesture yes, and you kind of really get is. like on your knees and you do it I mean it's excellent it's surprising <laughs> Surprising is a word for it. (laughs) I remember seeing this movie for the first time. I saw it at a theater in Dothan, Alabama, and just immediately falling in love with it and trying to see it again and again and again. Right, and I remember watching it, and it is... I don't
2: love animated movies, Mm -hmm. so for me, this is probably one of my top two, three that I actually will watch and really do enjoy. I think for me... Having representation, even though I'm not Chinese, but seeing a woman that is of Asian persuasion, I'm so sorry, mm-hmm. um, on screen was phenomenal. And not only that, she was not caricaturized in any way, neither were the men. So it wasn't an overly stereotypical statement of Asian people, of Chinese people, of any of that culture. And it was nice to see, and it made me feel a little more included. Yeah. In the story, as well as the fact that she's a strong woman who is not necessarily trying to get the approval of any man or husband, but trying to defend her family, which I, I, I'm I all about that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's really good as we go into this episode to just remember at the time when this came out, um, 1998, it was on the heels of Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, and Lion King, mm-hmm. and Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. and so, people hadn't really seen Disney had this kind of one set, and Pocahontas was a little bit of an outlier as well. But until then, you had your princess. Right. And she looked a certain way and behaved a certain way and wanted ultimately to find a man. Right. It's the Disneyfication. Disneyfication. Of such tales. Yes. Folklore. Yeah. And, and, As we're going to get into in a minute, we're really lucky that we avoided that with Mulan. Yes. Um, But, okay, let's talk about what it is we're talking about. We kind of chose this also because there is an upcoming live-action remake coming out March 27th, which, yes, there has already been some controversy around because the lead actress came out against the protesters in Hong Kong. Right. Yes.
2: So, again, we're talking about the 1998 animated version directed by Barry Cook and Tony Bancroft. It's starring Ming-Na Wen, Eddie Murphy, and Beatty Wong. It follows Fa Mulan, sort of an outcast in her family community, as she's trying to figure out her place and who she is. The sanctioned path is for her to bring honor, quote-unquote, to her family by marrying someone respectable. But when her elderly ill father, the only man in the family, is conscripted as a soldier to fight against the invasion of the Huns, Mulan cuts off her hair and ties it up, of course, puts on her father's old armor and takes his place by impersonating a man named Ping and ultimately saves
1: the day or the battle or the war. Or China. In general, yes. She saves a lot of things. A lot of the things. The movie was a critical and financial success and spawned a direct-to-video sequel, which neither of us have seen. <laughs> we, not, no. A video game, which neither of us had played. But I have played Kingdom Hearts, which she made an appearance in. Oh. And which is interesting because she's actually not a princess. It's one of the things that's relatable about her. But she's a part of the Disney princess franchise. Yes which is a part of this whole Kingdom Hearts game, which if you haven't played, I'm not going to try to explain because it's very, 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 very confusing. Okay. Yeah. Apparently she has a Deadpool cameo. Yeah, I read that too. What? And of course, a sauce tie-in with McDonald's that was later revived thanks to Rick and Morty. And I never knew this. I, I, yeah, I, I had to include this. The ads for the sauce definitely skewed racist. Things like China might. Run, Don't Walk, W-O-K, uh, which is why the sauce was discontinued, had a very short lifespan. Rick and Morty fans brought it back after Rick mentioned it on the show, and it kind of became a running joke on the show, um, and the fans had this 2017 and 2018 petition that got it back. There was rioting. We've talked about it before on the show, a whole thing Hmm. Um, a couple years ago when I was at Dragon Con it was like the big costume at Dragon Con was to dress as the Szechuan sauce oh wow yeah so there was that At the time, Mulan was, yeah, quite different than a lot of previous Disney stuff, especially when it came to the main character. She wasn't waiting around for the day to be saved. Her primary motivation was not romance. She fights and she uses her brain to outsmart the enemy. She was the first Asian main character in these Disney movies. A lot of the animators described her as, quote, not a Barbie doll, making her more accessible. I still maintain she is quite thin. Oh, yes. Yeah, perhaps not a Barbie doll.
2: I mean, she's definitely animated. Then, when yeah. you see them dressing her up, yeah, and they tie her the, waist, yeah. and
1: they say the line "tiny waist." Right? It looks painful. It definitely does look painful. And this story is based on the song of Fa Mulan, which tells the story of Hua Mulan. It was combined with a straight-to-video short called "The China Doll" about a miserable Chinese woman who is rescued Ugh. from oppression by a British. Prince, Of course. According to one of the story editors, the first draft of this story was much more focused on Mulan's drive to find a guy. Other versions had her running away from a forced marriage or bad family situation. The story they decided on was one motivated by love, but love of father and country. Basically, the reason it didn't turn out that way of like the romantic comedy where she's trying to find a guy is because the higher-ups at Disney weren't really paying attention to this. They thought Hercules was coming out at the same time. Hunchback of Notre Dame was coming out at the same time. So they thought those were going to be their hits. Those were the ones they were focusing on. So Mulan was able to fly under the radar a little bit. The team had a little bit more creative freedom. Thank goodness. Thank
2: goodness. Yeah.
1: So, taking it to a historical context, Fa Mulan,
2: the first transcript of Mulan was dated around 6th century with the Ballad of Mulan, which was a folk song originated during the North Wei dynasty, and we see it coming around again as a dramatized two-act play called The Female Mulan, or The Heroine Mulan Goes to War in Her Father's Place, very aptly named yeah. in 1593, and then was incorporated in the 17th century historical novel written by Chu Ren called Sui Tang Romance, and there was also an opera based on Mulan.
1: Whether this warrior was real seems debatable, as is a lot of these stories that we talk about. Hard to nail down historical context and historical sources, but a source of great inspiration nonetheless. Hua Mulan, Hua literally translated as flower and Mulan translated as wood orchid or magnolia, would have existed around 420 to 590 CE during the North Wei dynasty. There's also a variation of the story that places Mulan in the Tang dynasty around 620 CE. In this version, there is another female warrior, Mulan's bonded sister, a Lao Tong, Bo Xian Yang, the daughter of the king that was also part of the legend. The two bonded over their knowledge of military and ability to fight. And she has a fairly interesting legend behind her as well, if you're interested in reading more. Yes. And as with the final
2: product of the 98 animation, most of the folklore centered around the idea of loyalty and family, with a little splash of possible love on the side of course, because you got to have that. Hmm. All the variations do incorporate that Mulan felt she needed to protect her elderly father by taking his place in battle. But it's something to note that during that time, it wasn't against the law for women to serve and sometimes would be drafted in specific circumstances. So the whole put-to-death thing may not have happened or may not need to, but... You know, we need that drama, right? We need that drama. drama, Also, there seems to be a character missing from the animation, but may have been replaced by the dog, which you said, this doesn't make sense when we were watching it. Uh, We know him as, quote-unquote, little brother. Right. When, she, you know, he chases around the bone to feed the chickens. Right. But in some renditions, there is a younger brother who was too young
1: to serve, and it's part of the story of why she also went into war for both of them. Right. And in these stories, there are several variations of the ending, but a couple include with her revealing that she is female and walking to battle in female clothing, which inspires the rest of the soldiers to fight and win battles. Very inspiring. Also, some include her being promoted to general and being a part of the military for either 10 or 12 years. It does end up with her being honored by the emperor. Very moving scene. Yes. A few of the versions of the story lead her to asking simply for a horse and being able to return home or asking for money for her family. As with most good folklore, several end with tragedy, whether she kills herself due to being brokenhearted because of her father's death before her return home, also a version in which she killed herself rather than being a concubine, or because of being haunted by all the things she had seen in battle. No matter the ending, she did and does inspire, I mean... We are definitely getting another rendition of the tale. And apparently big enough to get a crater on Venus named after her, which is my, that's my dream. I mean,
2: I told you what you need to do. Uh, Dress up as a man, go into battle,
1: die. Simple as that. End of story. Okay, cool. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So that's sort of the historical... Best way we could find historical. Because yeah. there's obviously a
2: big debate about what exists, what doesn't, because it came from a poem.
1: Right. Or a song. Yeah, and I would love to hear from any listeners from China because from what I read, at least at one time, it was a thing that was just recited and well-known, right. and it was a really important part of, of kind of a story you learned growing up. Right, and according to some of the context, the,
2: there was a woman who was a warrior during the Tang Dynasty who they think may have been a part
1: of the legend as well, and she technically existed from what I gather. It's hard to say. Who knows? Mysteries of history. But we tried our best. And, well, I was going to say so to Disney, but I don't know that they did. But they definitely took this story and made it to a successful movie. Hey. So we're going to get into that. But first, we're going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
0: Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
1: To start planning
2: your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsors. So let's, yeah, let's get into a slightly more detailed plot. Right, about this animation. If you haven't
2: watched it, if you haven't, I would recommend you do so because it's fun. The movie follows... Mulan. Makes Surprise. Sense. When you're first introduced to her, she's trying to memorize the traits of being a good woman. Yeah. Quote Quiet and demure, graceful, polite, delicate, refined, poised, and punctual. Oh God. And as she's, I'm saying struggling. If,
1: oh, oh Lord, me <laughs> already too. But I love clothes. how, as she's saying it, she's like stuffing her face with rice. Yes, yes, so good. and typing, uh, not typing, and writing on her wrist. Yeah, of course. yeah, yeah.
2: So she is. Yeah, she writes on her arm, and she's sloppily eating rice, adjusts the position to her words. She's late, of course, and she has a creative system for doing her chores. Thanks, little brother. You're right, right. Yeah. So you've already established she's not your quote, traditional lady, that she's creative and a bit clumsy. She's brave and smart. All those things that could be an emo song.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I, it is a really good introduction to your character because it immediately sets the tone for she's being told she needs to be this, but she's clearly not that thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But she's trying to make it work. Yes. And and when she her father is praying to the ancestors to help move on, as she rushes into town to meet her mother and grandfather, and that also sets up. She immediately is like, I, I'm i going to bring honor to us all, dad. Like, I will do it. And he's like, oh, please help her. <laughs> and, and decides to pray a lot longer. Yes, yes. <laughs> so Mulan rushes into town to meet her mother and grandmother to get ready to meet the matchmaker. So Mulan is then washed, her face is painted with makeup, her hair is pinned up, which she tries to make her own by curling a little front piece. Um, and she's dressed in a in a dress. Yeah, they tie the thing around. Um, and th- well, as this is happening, we get the song, our first song, Bring Honor to Us All is playing, espousing the qualities that make a woman desirable as a wife. And yes, a tiny waist is one and that bringing honor for a woman means getting married. That's quickly established. Mulan's grandmother gives her a lucky cricket, and one of my favorite random facts about this movie is that most of the creators hated the cricket. (laughs) They hated him because they always had to ask, well, what is the cricket doing during this scene? But one of the other creators kept sliding images of the cricket, cricky, under their doors, and so that's how we got him. Anyway... Mulan meets the matchmaker, played by Miriam Margoyle's a.k.a. Professor Sprout from Harry Potter. Now, the message is clear. To fit in as a woman in this society, to succeed, you have to look and act a certain way, pour the tea a certain way, and Mulan does not fit in. The matchmaker says, too skinny, not good for bearing boys. So we also get that kind of established, that yes, having children is also a part of this, being a good woman. The way the scene plays out makes it obvious that Mulan chafes against the system, even if she is doing her best to, to fit into it. Her cheat notes uh, get smudged and rubbed on the matchmaker's face. And through a series of events, the matchmaker's ass catches on fire, of course, obviously. And Mulan puts that fire out with her pot of tea. I Which mean, becomes one
2: of the best costumes I've seen. Yes. Ever. Have you ever seen people cosplaying
1: this? The matchmaker after the fact? No. It's fantastic. Oh, I want to see that so badly. The matchmaker is happy about it, though. And she <laughs> angrily assures in front of everyone, Mulan will never bring honor to her family. She has failed both as a woman and a daughter. Yes. yes. Her head hung low. She walks out. Yes, and uh, yeah, we get kind of an emo moment. Yes, then we get
2: to our second song. Yes, a metal maybe emo song, for sure, about not recognizing yourself in the mirror, not knowing who you are. Mulan's father attempts to comfort her, but they are interrupted by soldiers coming into town. The leader reads that one man from every family must join the army in the fight against the Huns, and when they call Mulan's family name, her elderly ill father, the only male in the family, steps forward to accept the notice. Mulan rushes forward asking that they give her father reprieve, but the conscriptor, Chifu, Ties Mulan's father for not teaching her to hold her tongue, quote-unquote, and Mulan's dad says she brings this honor to him.
1: Ugh, awkward. Yeah. It's a really painful scene. Yeah. <laughs> After fighting with her dad and another emo music cue called <laughs> Scene 6, I believe, um, Mulan cuts off her hair, dons her father's armor, rides off on her horse to the soldier encampment. Her family cannot reveal her or she'll be executed. Her grandmother calls on the family's ancestors to protect Mulan, and this is when we get introduced to disgraced family ancestor Mushu, played by Eddie Murphy, a small dragon who doesn't have a great track record when it comes to protection, hence the disgrace. The ancestors agree to send out their most fierce protector, but Mushu accidentally (laughs) destroys his statue, so pretends to be him, of course, and goes in his place along with Cricky, the lucky cricket. When we cut back to Milan, she's trying to master her man voice, her man walk, to little success. Mushu appears, promising to help her. He does this whole, like, big fire and brimstone thing, and then it's revealed. Oh, he's this little dragon. Um, Then we see a series of gender stereotypes play out. I guess those also, with Mulan trying to be a man fit in. Um, With Mushu, he's trying to, like, coach her, but he's doing a terrible job. Just awful. And he says things like, punch him, men like that, or slap him in the butt. They love that, too. Yeah, that's what I've been told. I, uh, You know, well, it, a, a fight certainly broke out. <laughs> <laughs> so here
2: we meet Shang, who is eager to also get his father's approval. What follows is a training montage set to... I'll make a man out of you. And hopefully we've got a clip for you to watch as well of this. I'm going to make this happen. Where we see Mulan struggle through training, but she perseveres Then not only that, she figures out how to retrieve the arrow Shane shot into the top of the wooden pole. Something no one else was able to do, by the way. And by doing this, she earns the respect of the other soldiers. Thank God. This all with the lyrics playing out, reinforcing the gender stereotypes that Mulan is breaking. Quote, did they send me daughters when I asked for sons? Yes, maybe they did. Yeah. Uh, the whole implication that, quote, being a man is the only acceptable way of strength in warfare. We see her unique set of skills play out again. After they discover that the soldiers of Staring's father was massacred along with his father, and they are attacked by the Huns in a mountain pass. Down to one firecracker, Mulan shoots it to the top of the mountain, causing an avalanche that swamps the Huns. Yeah. I mean, that epic. Yes. And then Mulan is wounded in the process, and it's revealed that she is <gasps> a woman. No. What? Treacherous snake. Instead of executing her, Shang spares her, saying a life for a life. Yeah. And then Mulan is left on the mountain with her horse, Creaky and Mushu. She laments that when she looks at her reflection, she still sees nothing. Yeah. My girl, no. <laughs> but she does see the Huns rise out of the snow and head to the city. She heads down to warn them... But, of course, they refuse to listen now that she's a woman. Yeah.
1: Shame. Or she said, you said you trusted Ping. Why mm. is Mulan any different? And they're like, huh, who? This is so funny. Samantha and I, of course, did our thing where we watched this in preparation. We had our date night. And Samantha was making fun of me because I was so into it, even mm. though I've seen it a million times. I was like, oh, yeah. no. My favorite mom would be like, oh. And I'm like, are you
2: really shocked by this? Have you not seen this? What's happening? I just get invested. <laughs>
1: you surely do, and uh, I love watching movies <laughs> with you just for that. I get really into it. Uh, okay, so the Huns appear and they kidnap the emperor. Mulan was telling the truth. Ha, ha, ha! Turns out what Mulan comes up with a plan that involves the men dressing as concubines, mm-hmm. using her earlier technique of climbing the wooden pole that she she perfected at the soldier encampment, and then they attack. The the Hun soldiers, using her brain, her strength, and her newfound skills, she is able to free the emperor, save Shang, and save China. Not bad. The emperor gives her a job, Shifu's job, after he says, She's a woman! She'll never be worth anything. He's terrible. Uh, The emperor gives Mulan his crest and the sword of Shan Yu, the, the leader of the Huns, for all that she's done, which Mulan, after everyone bows to her in a very moving scene, promptly gives to her father. He drops these items, hugging her instead and saying, the greatest honor is having you for a daughter. Then Shang shows up, who did a terrible job at flirting earlier, telling her, you fight good. Uh, And he also does a terrible job now. So Mulan takes charge and invites him to dinner. Her honor is restored. Mushu's honor is restored. He's made a family ancestral guardian once again. And Shang's is restored, I guess, found. Yeah. Anyway. Sure. Um, happily Ever After cut to 98 Degrees. Plus Stevie Wonder. Plus Stevie Wonder. Yeah. And for, for younger folks listening, 98 Degrees was a band. <laughs> In the vein of Backstreet Boys and Sync and maybe Hanson. Off-brand. Yeah. No offense, 98 <laughs> Degrees, but they were kind of like, you know, your second tier. You tried. Oh, yeah, well, you got at the end of Mulan, so yeah. they did something we haven't done. Give me a minute. Ooh. I don't. I don't. I, that Put down be. your sparkling water. And here we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's that's the basic plot, but obviously we want to we want to get into some of the tropes in this movie that we can we can really talk about. But first, we're going to get into one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. To start planning your trip,
2: visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And yeah, there... There are a lot of things in this movie when it comes to gender stereotypes that we can talk about, And one of them that we we wanted to touch on was this whole idea of the matchmaker, right.
2: So I was very curious after watching the scene with the musical number bring honor to us all. And of course, with all of the implications that a matchmaker would define, whether honor could be brought to the family with feminine ability to find her match a man, yeah. And after researching, there was quite a bit of information on old traditions, including a tea ceremony, which would involve the female serving tea to her possible mate and his family. And if it went well, the man would put an embroidered red bag on a saucer. And if she wanted, she could accept it, much like a rose, I would think. And But again, this would be set up by a matchmaker. And though the practice was common, it was not necessarily due to forcing women to marry, but as an assistant slash service for the family. And with that, it wasn't necessary to match a man to a woman, but it was about finding family with family. Mm-hmm. So bringing in a unit rather than just man-woman. It was a social arrangement. Also, at one point in history, matchmakers slash brokers were so important, they were appointed by the government and given certificates of authority.
1: Yeah. And I think this is always a, a good reminder that our current understanding of marriage in their romantic sense is actually relatively new,
2: right? And we have to say they're still matchmakers. Yeah,
1: just because it may be automated online doesn't mean they're not. That's true. Mm. We see you dating mm-hmm. apps. Mm-hmm. It should also be noted that though there were some extreme policies in ancient Chinese periods, it was rare. And extreme meant that they were women were not be married by seventeen. If the girls were not married by choice, they would be forced to. However, it seemed matchmakers weren't always necessary, but traditions could involve festivals and get togethers for singles, some sort of mixer, maybe. Yes. For example, there was an annual mid spring meeting on the third day of Lunar March, which involved wine. So I'm definitely in. Mm-hmm. And lantern festivals, which are still celebrated as the Spring Lantern Festival, which happens the 15th day of the first lunar month. Yes, and by the way, it is also informally known as Chinese Valentine's Day. I like that idea, right? Yeah.
2: So that's what we found with the matchmaking. And I know there's a lot more information, and it goes into traditional marriage today. But we also want to talk about
1: girl worth fighting for. Which is one of the musical numbers. Yes.
2: And definitely, this implies that women are prizes to be won. That men go to war with intent of winning someone that looks a certain way. Cooks a certain way. Yeah. I I definitely don't cook a certain way. (laughs) When Mulan says she'd like a woman with a brain who can also speak her mind, they're like, uh, nah. Yeah, all the men are like, nah. We good, we good.
1: Right. (laughs) So they're, yeah, pretty much objectifying women, painting women of, uh, I want this woman to be able to meet these needs for me and it's mostly looks and gender stereotypes, like she has to look a certain way, cook a certain way. Because the audience is meant to side with Mulan, however, and view her actions as correct, we're meant to infer that Mulan is right and these men are wrong. Uh, and we could also talk about fragile
2: masculinity. <laughs> yes, we can. Mushu taking credit for successes and causing and denying most of her failures. <clears throat> yeah. And when he implies he can see through her armor and she slaps him, he threatens her with dishonor. Which was one of my favorite lines. I will say it's funny to see him do this. <laughs> coercing her to apologize to him. Though he implies that by teaching her about masculinity is the only thing keeping her alive, he's the one who outcasts her. Let's just I mean, honestly. Yeah. He calls the fights. Yeah. And is constantly making messes that she has to fix. Every time, y'all. mm mm-hmm. um, Yeah, he's really sexist. Slash, stupid girly habits, he says.
1: Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. wait w- with with her wanting to clean herself. Oh, why you gotta be clean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be
2: fair, that's probably one of the moments that he did predict something bad was gonna happen, which all the men, and unfortunately, she had to well, look at he- all of the man parts.
1: But he was supposed to be watching out. He, she assigned him with being a lookout, and he failed. He failed. He did. There you go. And another thing we can talk about when it comes to gender stereotypes is the binary. Because um, it, it is very, you are this masculine trait, or you are this feminine trait. And some have argued that Mulan only succeeds because she pretends to be a man. But I think... She succeeds by embracing both her feminine and masculine side, by embracing all parts of herself. She uses the fan, um, a traditional signifier of femininity, and the sword, a traditional sign of masculinity, to fight Shan Yu, all while wearing a feminine but not super skimpy tight dress. So, and, And even in the scene where she figures out how to get that arrow that everyone else has failed at, she does that by kind of embracing these dual parts of her that, Honestly, we don't even have to necessarily label masculine and feminine. It's just traditionally they have been seen that way. But that's just my view of it. I feel like she she embraces both those things and that's why she succeeds.
2: She goes beyond the limits.
1: Yes. Another another theme that is pretty relevant throughout the this movie is fatherhood, family, the idea of being a perfect daughter. Um and and I, When I was watching this, I, I, you know, I came in with my like, ah, I'm going to dissect all of these interactions. And one thing I noticed was the interaction with the mother, who is mostly silent, um, kind of always watching and f- uh, like feeling for Mulan, but knowing that she has to, this is her way of success. And even if Mulan, she knows is not going to be happy with it, like this is how it is. That was just the vibe I got. And then Mulan having this kind of like spine, we call this spine in acting, where it's your whole thing, like your whole motivation is, I have got to bring honor to my father. That is my whole thing. And even in her first song, Reflection, Mm -hmm. um, she's singing about like I'll never be the perfect daughter. Right. And that's something we've talked about a lot on the show, the whole dutiful daughter idea and sort of this dynamic between Mm. fathers and daughters.
2: I mean, there seems to be an absence of mothers when it comes to Disney movies if we look at things. This is true. Yeah, if we look at things like Lion King in itself, and you're like, what? Mama don't care. Mama don't care. Mama's going to sit in the corner, I guess. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. But it does. It kind of plays up the fatherly man of the house.
1: Yes. And you and I have joked, even though I'm semi-serious, that we could do a whole like sideshow called Daddy Issues where we would just pick out a movie and talk about the daddy issues in it. So many daddy issues. So many. I just want to put in here, I found an entire 72-page paper. Did you read it all? Oh, yes, I did. of course you did. Uh, uh, Comparing Mulan to Moana, and there are so many similarities. They're practically the same movie in a lot of ways. Oh,
2: really? I haven't seen Moana, so I don't know. It's good. People
1: love it. That's very good. People love um, it. Yeah, it so? definitely a lot of similarities. Well,
2: So Mulan's motivations are generally selfless, but we do see the dynamic of trying to please men. Yeah. Her father, shame, patriarchal society, and at the end of the movie, she returns home to what we assume to be the obedient daughter. Her grandmother even says, oh, great, she brought home a sword. If you ask me, she should have brought home a man. Yeah. After all she's
1: done, literally saving the country,
2: They still are more concerned about her ability to get a man.
1: Yeah. The emperor says in the beginning, uh, a single grain of rice can tip the scale. One man may be the difference between victory and defeat. So women are not even considered a part of that equation. And then at the end, he says, you don't meet a girl like that every dynasty, implying she's a rare specimen, in some ways kind of othering her. Right. That she is not like other women. Therefore... She's more likable, right? She's better. She's superior. Um, and uh, we're not really going to go into this that much, but Shang is also trying to please his father. So this is, I actually had never really appreciated that before until we did this research that they have sort of a parallel storyline mm-hmm. of, of trying to, to please their fathers. Bring honor. Bring honor, yes. Um, and I do think, uh, I remember the first time I saw Frozen, and at the end I was like, Finally, 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 somebody touched on there are other types of love mm-hmm. than romantic love. But I forgot Mulan mm-hmm. did it first. Or maybe not first, but did it before Frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just between a father and a daughter, whereas Frozen was two sisters. So Mike. a little different. But it is really, really refreshing. And I think that's one of the things that helped this movie work or feel like it was something different than a lot of the other Disney things we'd seen before. And to be real, a lot of the other just me- media in general right. we've seen before. Um, and something else we wanted to touch on are some of the queer undertones in this movie. Some articles argue that in some ways Mulan is a great examination of gender performance, that a certain set of traits can be adopted and performed for gender. Mm-hmm.
2: When the men dress as women, the song I'll Make a Man Out of You plays again, and you can be one gender while adopting traits of another. Gender roles can change, which you already talked about before. Right. And at the same time, the movie shows that gender roles are not an easy thing to break out of, which is unfortunately very obviously true.
1: It's true. It's one of those things where sometimes when I watch media like that, that depicts something that I know is <sighs> Through. There's just something about it that gives me a, an anxiety. Like, I know it's true, right? But sometimes I just want to see something different, different. right? Right. Um, I get I get that way a lot with um, sexual assault. I'm like, I know, yeah. but I don't know that we need to see this because I feel like it's perpetuating it right. in some ways. Right. Uh, okay. And this, <laughs> I want to talk about this question. Did Shang love Ping? Yep. A.K.A. Mulan's masculine, uh, the identity she adopted. Right. Okay. So... I've always wondered this, yeah, and I'm not the only one. Apparently, Shang isn't going to be in this new live action remake of Mulan. Instead, replaced by a rifle character who wants to best her. Is always trying to to beat Mulan. And some people are angry that a bisexual character, someone they viewed as a bisexual character, is being removed to make way for what sounds like, at least at the outset, a misogynistic one. He probably definitely changes, mm-hmm. but sounds that way. Um, There are a lot of articles that you can find where uh, people write that they consider Shang a bisexual icon. And when I was watching it with those sort of eyes this time, I had a bunch of moments like, oh yeah, you did. I did. You were coming that. And then Mulan uh, appears on the show
2: Once Upon a Time, which is a TV series with ABC. She's actually depicted as bisexual. Uh, she falls in love with Aurora. Oh. And when she comes to confess her love, she finds that Aurora is pregnant with the child with her Prince Charming. And then after that heartbroken moment, she leaves to go be a merry man with Robin Hood. Oh. Yes, but she was one of the first characters on that show to be portrayed in that manner. Mm -hmm. Later on, I want to say Little Red Riding
1: Hood is depicted as bisexual as well. Mm Oh. Very cool. Um, Yeah, it's definitely, as I said, I've read a lot of fan fiction, and it has changed how I view a lot of movies. But seeing it with those eyes, I...
2: Yeah, I understand. No, now that you say that, I feel like Once Upon a Time, the show that I really like it, and I think you would like it, it really could be like a
1: layered fan fiction. Oh, yeah. Throughout. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, because it
2: takes different takes on things. So I'm like,
1: huh. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Oh. <laughs> okay. And we did want to end on racism. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, just because, like, it's worth mentioning, obviously, there's definitely some racism in this movie, some of the the slights worse than others. Yeah. Um, particularly Mushu, who I would say is the greatest offender <laughs> yes. in most categories, sexism and racism, um, as we touched on with that McDonald's campaign. Uh, yeah. And, and also, we didn't really talk about this, but um, because this movie wasn't as formulaic i.e. I, not a white princess right. in the front of it, they didn't think it was going to be successful, so right. they didn't put money into it. So that McDonald's campaign was one of the only yeah. campaigns they did, and it was pretty racist. It's super racist. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: And I did appreciate the fact that they did have a large cast of Asian-identifying actors, which mm-hmm. I did actually appreciate because the majority of the time you see... Everything being whitewashed right. and having these main characters actually be Asian people. When you look at it, you're like, what? Ming-Na Wen is hitting? I loved her enjoy Luck Club. She's actually representing an Asian, a Chinese character. This is phenomenal, and I love it. So it did do well in that respect. I think at that point in time, surprising that they went that far.
1: Yeah, especially considering, like, even now. Right. <laughs> even now, right. that is a continued conversation. And I
2: also appreciate that they didn't bring in a white savior. Oh, my God.
1: Yes, which, like we said, that was part of the original script. We really... It could have grateful. Yeah, it could have been way worse. Also, I've seen Ming-Na win at Dragon Con before, and she was great. Uh, she's amazing. Um, but, yeah, and watching it, like, the Huns, I get that they're villains. Yeah. But in some of the depiction it I it makes me uncomfortable. Yes. And it should. Yeah. Uh so so <laughs> there's that, that layer. And then also like this is perhaps obvious, but there's a lot of historical inaccuracies. Um, like I believe the palace, the Forbidden Palace, wouldn't have been built at that time. Right. And then I read somewhere, I didn't really get to follow up on it, but I read like Fa Mulan, one is Cantonese and one is Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Like just Things like that. Right. Um, so, always be mindful of the entertainment you consume. It's totally cool to like something, but just be aware right. of the messages you're getting. And the context. Yeah, and especially for children. when we Whenever we talk about something that children consume, I I don't have kids, so I always feel weird saying this, but I do, I think that it's important to just, before you show your kids something, watch it. And then, decide, like, what, is there a conversation I need to have? Is right. there a context I need to provide? What are they going to take from this? Right. Because I, I think it's totally cool to show them, but it would be helpful um, if you had that kind of conversation before you went in. Correct. So that <laughs> is what we had to say Ooh. about Mulan. And honestly, we could have kept going. There's, I'm sure there's so much. Oh, yeah. Every time I would come
2: back it would come up with a new article. I'm like, son of a... (laughs) Thank you
1: for writing so many detailed papers about Mulan, (laughs) but um, I don't have time to read them all, unfortunately. Right. If we missed anything, please let us know. If we misinterpreted anything, if we read the wrong paper, let us know. Yeah, or if you just had any different takeaways. Um, And also, let us know what our next movie should be. I know we've had many a
2: conversation.
1: We have. Maybe I should do a poll. You should do a poll. I'm do a poll. We've got a couple suggestions. We could put them, right. we could post them and see. Right. So look out for the poll. Look out for the poll. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can email us any suggestions at momstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at Never Told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. You did it. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
2: This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines.